You're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. Just in time for the holidays, we are pleased to offer our lightweight canvas tote bags with the TNL logo for 15 bucks each with free shipping to the U.S. Check them out at thisnazlife.com store while supplies last. This episode is sponsored by North Street Community Church of the Nazarene. North Street is a Christian community on the south shore of Boston, shaped through local and global partnerships, practicing neighborly care and concern, and providing a place where artists can practice their art. Check them out at northst.org. Today on the podcast, we have Reverend Jared Henry. Reverend Henry is the senior pastor of Lafayette Church of the Nazarene in Lexington, Kentucky. Thanks for tuning in. Jack, and I'm here with my guest, Reverend Jared Henry. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So the first question I ask everybody is, how did you end up in the Church of the Nazarene? Well, um, I grew up in a Christian home, and while my my dad was in seminary at Asbury Theological Seminary, uh, we had, he did an internship at Lafayette Church of the Nazarene, where I happen to pastor now. And during that time, uh, they had a, a fall revival, and I was eight years old and went to the altar and gave my heart to Christ. And uh, so that was kind of the beginning, of my entrance into the Church of the Nazarene. And uh, my, my parents decided to stay around after that for maybe that reason and others, too. Who knows? So it was good, 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 good beginnings. Yeah, that's great. So tell me about your call. How did you end up feeling like you were supposed to be a pastor? You know, I, I, um, I can't remember the first time I was young uh, when I first sensed uh, that call. And as I grew up, uh, my dad was a pastor. So later he took a church, uh, a Nazarene church after he graduated from seminary, became a Nazarene. He'd been a Wesleyan before that. And, um, and so just being around the church all the time, um, I was at church uh, when we weren't having service. I was at every service, those kind of things. I just began to have this uh, greater sense of urgency about this is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And so as uh, as I grew older, though, I, I began to be more aware of what it meant to be a pastor, the ins and outs, because my dad was one. I lived in a parsonage. And I, I, somewhere along the way, I just kind of decided that that really wasn't for me. I didn't want to do it. Hmm. But I still sensed the Lord calling me and moving me in that direction. So I kind of ran from it for a while. And um, in fact, as I got to, to later later middle school, early high school years, you know, it's, that's kind of the time. So I start to think about what you're going to do with your life. And so I decided I kind of made a deal with God, and, or at least on my end, I thought it was a good deal. Uh, was I would I would be a doctor, medical doctor, and that as as I ain't a good churchman. So I uh, prepared to go into school and be a biochemistry major. And as I went through high school, I did some different things in association with that that kind of a thing. But really, all the way along, I knew that I was kind of running from God, mm-hmm. what He'd called me to do, and so. Uh, when I graduated high school, I went to uh, a camp meeting 
in Maysville, Kentucky. It was a Wesleyan camp meeting. And uh, I went there uh, not because I was necessarily seeking to grow spiritually, but there was a girl that was there that I was interested in uh, who now happens to be my wife. And uh, uh, but uh, that was another blessing on on the side. But when I was there, uh, I really, uh, again, was confronted in a really strong way during one of those services about my call. And uh, that evening I went to the altar and my prayer was, Lord, you know, I don't want to do this. I will be miserable being a preacher or a pastor or whatever. But if it's what you want me to do, then I'll do it. Uh, But as I surrendered that to the Lord, uh, God changed my desire. And so when I got up from that time, I had a desire. So I can really say that I love to preach. I love to uh, pastor people, visit the sick and uh and be a part of people's lives in that kind of way. I even love board meetings. I tell people, so God gave me a desire <laughs> for all that. So That's awesome. I love that. So you had this call. What happened next? Kind of tell me that story. That was the summer after I graduated from high school, and I had already uh, I was going to Asbury College at the time, and I was a biochemistry major, so I was in like advanced biology, advanced chemistry, and these math classes. And, uh, my scholarship and uh, grants and stuff were kind of built around that. So I couldn't change all that. And so it was very hard my freshman year going to advanced biology and chemistry when I knew now I I knew what I was called to do. And I accepted that and I had a heart for that. So uh, that next year I felt called uh, not only to ministry, but specifically uh, within the Church of the Nazarene to be a pastor. And so I transferred to Trevecca. After my first year, I went to Asbury College, and then I transferred to Trevecca Nazarene University, and I finished out my time there. I talked to uh, my, my superintendent at the time and said, uh, my wife was a year, I married the girl that I had gone to the camp meeting to see. Sure, and, uh, sure. Uh, toward the end of my college time, and I told the DS I'd be glad to fill in, but I was waiting for a year for her to finish up. She was a year behind me, and when she finished up, I was going to go on to seminary. Uh, and so I didn't want to take a church and use a church uh, or feel like I used a church. I wanted to uh, be somewhere and be settled, uh, but I knew I was going to go to seminary. But um, so if, I, I kind of filled in some different places and eventually I uh, ended up at uh, my first church filling in. And my superintendent, Dr. Broadbooks, said, um, what do you think about that church? Uh, and I said, well, it was good. There was eight people there our first Sunday. And uh, but I'm I'm going to seminary, so I don't I don't know that, you know, I don't want to do anything. And he said, well, go over there next week and fill in and just pray about it. And so kind of the rest is history. I fell in love with the people there and uh, going to appoint me because there were just some issues with uh, with even the church surviving mm. at the time. And I said, well, I won't go unless they vote and it's unanimous. So there were only like five votes and they were all yes votes. <laughs> so <laughs> they uh they they said uh, we want you so uh, uh, and so I guess it was like well he can't hurt anything and let's send him in and had a great time there so we were there uh, for uh, about three years and really a learning time for me um, it was uh, Blakemore is behind Vanderbilt University a couple blocks away so a very uh, the neighborhood is a very expensive neighborhood to live in as far as, far as like the homes there and it's a very diverse neighborhood so you've got a lot of people in that neighborhood uh, from varying walks of life a lot of professional kind of people white collar neighborhood and um, 
and the church was really small. So we had a family of four and we had one of the uh, a pastor, Brother Costa, who was like in his 90s. He had started the church and he was still attending there when we went. Wow. And we had a guy who was a bankruptcy lawyer. And then we had a guy who was just a really neat guy. He was a he was a head chef at a really fancy restaurant, but he was a I think he had a degree in philosophy and, and he was an artist. And so these neat dynamics of the people and the family that was there was from India and they worked in research at Vanderbilt. And so from there, there were just a lot of other uh, interesting, neat people. There was a teacher that was part of our, our congregation. And we just kind of began to grow. And we, we tried a lot of things, you know. Uh, you're idealistic when you first get out of school and you've got all these great ideas you think that are going to just radically change everything. And sure. it's gonna, you're going to rock the world. And some of them don't work the way that you'd envision them working. And then uh, some of them do. But we were there for three years and did a lot of different things. And the people were very gracious to me. As a new guy trying out new ideas, and uh, and uh, but God did a lot of good things and a lot of neat things happened while we were there. Uh, so we were there for almost three years, and then I got a call from the superintendent in Kentucky asking me to come back to the the state that I was born in, that I was that I grew up in, and asked me to go to Greensburg Church of the Nazarene, and so. Um, they'd had some difficulty with some things that had happened and that they needed some healing. And so I went to interview and do a trial sermon and it just kind of clicked. It really turned into like a revival service and uh, from the get go and uh, God, God moved. And uh, so we really connected there with the people. It was a small community, small town kind of a feel. So we went from Nashville, big Nashville to this kind of small town and it was a transition. It was different. But it was it was neat. And the people there were very loving people, accepted us as a, our family. And we had our first child when we were there in Greensburg. Uh, actually, both of our children were born while we were pastoring there. We were there for about four years and God just did some amazing things. The church grew. Great things happened. Uh, a lot of neat, miraculous kind of things that took place. Uh, just financially, uh, we went from a place where we were the, the district was supporting the church to a place where we got completely out of debt, you know, wow. and uh, so some some really neat things that God God works. Some some people that came to know Jesus in really dramatic ways uh, took place at that time too. So they just just really rapid growth as well, and some neat things that take took place there. So we were there for uh, just a little here over four years, and uh, uh, the uh, the superintendent of Kentucky at the time was uh, Dr. Jack Stone. He was a like interim and talked to me about coming to Lafayette, which happened to be where I had become a Christian. So it was kind of a neat, neat dynamic there. Uh, We weren't looking to go any of the times, really. We were just really having a good time where we were serving. And uh, so uh, we 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 started the interview process with Lafayette and um, they uh, have a really neat history that maybe we'll talk about in a minute. But Um, So we went through a process. They had a pastor who was retiring uh, before me. And so uh, we we actually went there and co-pastored with the retiring pastor for three months. Wow. uh, Which was, yeah, it was a neat, uh, neat kind of a dynamic different. And but we walked through it. We discussed what all that was going to look like. And um, and it worked well. It was was a beautiful thing. And uh, so three months and then he retired. We hired him as our uh, or brought him on as our visitation pastor. So he stayed on and um, he, he was really had a heart for visitation and, and for the people like that in that way. So he did good at that. And then um, 
And so we've been here at Lafayette ever since that time. So I'm actually the, the third pastor of Lafayette Church, which started in 1954. So wow. that's, yeah, that's kind of a rare thing as well. So kind of tell me the, the story of, of Lafayette. I feel like there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Uh, the church started in 1954, and it was it was a kind of a church uh, a church plant, if you will. And uh, the district supported this church plant by paying for a tent. Where our location, where we are now, on the corner of Rosemont Garden and Lafayette Parkway, kind of across from that intersection uh, where we are presently. It was an open field at the time in 1954, and they set up a tent out there wow. and just started having church. I think they went on for a couple of weeks, and uh, toward the end of that that tent meeting services, the pastor, or who was going to be the pastor, C.E. McCracken, said, "If we, if I can, I feel led to start a church, and if I can get 50 people who will commit to being charter members of this church, then we'll start a church." And so they had right at 50 people who committed to being members of the church. And so they started, and that's how Lafayette Church of the Nazarene started. Wow. They didn't have any property, but they met in in a government building for, for a little while, purchased the property that we that they're currently on, and I think within about a year, and then relocated again to that property, and that's where we've been ever since. Gosh, that's such a cool story. So kind of tell me about your role there at Lafayette. Um, what do you do? What is your ministry like right now? Well, I'm I'm the senior pastor. It's been a it's been a different, a very different kind of position. Not position so much as just a different dynamic in being a senior pastor, uh, because I'm in a church now that's kind of unique in a lot of different ways, and it's hard to describe Lafayette uh, without kind of using terms that would tend to pigeonhole it into something or stereotype it maybe, but. You know, the fact that it started in 1954, so the founding pastor was there for, I think, about 24 years. Wow. And then his son took over, David McCracken, and he was there for 33 years. And then I came. Hmm. So you have pastors with some really long tenures, uh, when it comes to the average anyway. And then you have a father and a son. And so I'm the first non-family member as well. So there's a lot of different dynamics like that. And the church has done an amazing job of uh, being a, a positive part of the transition in all that. The The previous pastor, David McCracken, he passed away uh, the end of November 2010. But he was really a dynamic part of making that transition go go smoothly. Mm. So if you if you were to come to Lafayette, you would probably feel uh, like you'd come into like a traditional church, traditional um, Nazarene church, like what the Nazarene church would have been like in the 60s or something. So a lot of like traditional as far as music styles and things like that. Uh, there there will be some course, some, some more modern songs as well from time to time. But for the most part, a real traditional kind of church. But with that tradition comes a lot of things. There's So there's a lot of people who have some strong convictions about different things in their life, you know, that include some of the some things about dress and stuff. But also with that that tradition comes, I think, uh, one of the things that some churches have lost. We starting to talk a lot about now, and that is ministry to people who who uh, the early Nazarenes took for granted. This is who we this is who we're called to minister to. So. Yeah. We have all kinds of diversity in terms of economic diversity in our church. 
uh, racial diversity, uh, occupational diversity, age uh, diversity in our church. Uh, so from young to old and all those kind of things. So uh, you'll see all kinds of different people. So there's a lot of different backgrounds. So some folks who've maybe grown up at Lafayette have a good, strong Christian background and, and heritage of being raised in the church and, and those kind of things. And then they'll be sitting next to somebody who's only been a part of Lafayette for a few months or, mm. you know, and has come from a non-Christian background. And so with all those differences, uh, the beauty of it is the unity that we have as a church. There's a really beautiful a love for one another, genuine. You'll feel welcome when you walk into our church uh, really quickly. So we have revivals. Uh, those, have, those have really been a, uh, a, 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 an infusion of spiritual renewal. Uh, you know, we're, we're noisy. You know, when you, like people enjoy preaching in our church, it's a very, you know, there's a lot of people will amen you. There's <laughs> dynamic worship. Uh, so kind of, again, those kind of almost a flashback historically. And uh, that's kind of where we're at. But it's it's very refreshing. And probably the, the biggest dynamic of growth has been like young adults in our church, young, young families and uh, growth there. And um, a lot of people, you know, like we don't get into the worship wars. We're not there. It's not like people are like fighting over worship. We just kind of are who we are. And um, and we found that like lost people don't know what contemporary versus traditional worship is. You know, people who don't grow up in the church, they don't know what that is. And so they don't care. So like we don't say this is who we are because lost people don't know. They're, that's just confusing to them. It's like, man, we just come. We get excited about Christ and what he's done in our lives. And so uh, we sing victory in Jesus and we believe God gives the victory, you know, and there is victory through Jesus. And, and we're seeing that take place, like people's lives are being transformed. And that's amazing. So neat dynamic in that way. I love that. What is your favorite part of ministering at Lafayette? What was your favorite part of what you're doing right now? You know, I tell our, our, our church, some of our leadership often, in fact, I think I've said it from the pulpit a number of times too, but one of the things that, that I like about Lafayette and what I say about Lafayette is that we are a church uh, that is a frontline church. And what I mean by that is we're really not focused on ministering to people who are going to other churches, trying to get like Christian folks in our church necessarily. Uh, they're welcome. If somebody moves to the community, certainly we welcome them in and we're glad to have everybody to be a part of what we're doing. But we're a church that is ministering to people who are broken, people who are dealing with with things, people who who don't have it all together, people who are are, are dealing with some serious stuff. And so a few months ago, for example, we we were we're we were, were ministering to a lot of different people. One of the guys that we minister to is a homeless guy and he's dealing with alcoholism. And so he comes in our service or I just started to preach and comes in the back and he's uh, making a lot of noise and just kind of becomes a distraction. So I realize I'm losing everybody. I was like, who's, who's making all that noise back there? And so we just were very gracious about it. I was like, Hey brother, sit down, have a seat. I'm trying to preach right now. And we're glad you're here, but you need to have a seat. And he's like, well, preacher, you know, he's all, I could, I knew he was drunk. And I, he's like, well, preacher, I just wanted to hear you preach. And I was like, okay, well, sit down and you can preach. And he's like, no, I got to go. I got to go. And, well, he got sober the next day and he was so embarrassed and he called me up. He actually went to the hall. He got sick. He, he passed out and was out in the cold and he got sick. And he called me and said, oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm never going to come to church again. I said, no, no, I, 
that's not what we want. We want you to come, but you'll get a lot more out of it if you're sober, you know. And so, <laughs> so we deal with stuff like that, you know, and it's a reality uh, that we deal with. And it's OK. I, I kind of enjoy it. And so uh, I like dealing with those those kind of elements and it makes things it makes for good stories. It, it makes for a certain amount of excitement and uh, it can make for heartache, too, because you're with people when they're hurting. And so um, just a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, there's a girl in our church, young young lady, 24 years old, and uh, her her father has just gotten radically saved. He was uh, into a lot of different things. He had some addictions in his life and. And uh, and he's got quite a rap sheet with the law record and stuff like that. But God has just powerfully transformed his life and it just passionate about God. And um, so he wanting he wants his family to participate in this new life in Jesus. And so uh, but his daughter, uh, this daughter is um, uh, has a drug addiction and it's it's controls her life. It's led her to a lot of poor relationships and a lot of a lot of bad decisions. And uh uh, just about a week and a half ago now on a Saturday night, I got a call and she had been shot. Um, we thought at the time she had been shot twice, but she had been shot four times. And so I went down there. I was at the hospital with the family till about, I think they finally let us go back in there after they had surgery they had to do emergency surgery. We got to go back in and see her. She was on life support about two 30 in the morning. We prayed a number of times before they even let, her, let us go back to see her with her family and, and just wept a lot. And uh, it was hard. It was mostly draining. I didn't get home about three o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. I was all keyed up. I'm thinking I've got to preach in the morning, you know, but that's what it's all about. And so we prayed and uh, even Sunday morning, our church just came together. I actually didn't end up getting preached. We just, it just turned into a prayer meeting. We worshiped and we had prayer meeting. God came and worked among us. It was an amazing time. We prayed for her. And probably right about the time we prayed for her, uh, they took her off life support. And she actually went home later that week. Wow. Uh, this past Sunday, she was in church. And she stood up and she testified about her commitment to live for the Lord and that she knew that God had been with her. And so uh, it's hard. It's difficult because, you know, there's life and death issues and stuff. But uh, that's what we're all about. So when I say we're on the front lines, that means we're out there. We're wanting to see people come to know Jesus, and we're serious about it. So we had, there was a, uh, a young lady just uh, just recently who was practicing homosexual lifestyle, gave her life to Christ uh, just, just recently. Um, I, was, I was making a visit to a family um, that was connected to our church. They, they've been to church a few times, dealing with some drug addiction issues and just Richmond, a minister. And so I was out visiting them one day. We were sitting outside their home in the neighborhood they lived in, uh, had like some lawn chairs. And so I was, I was talking to the two of them that were sitting there. All of a sudden, one of them, their eyes got really big. And about the same time, someone grabbed my shoulder and just jerked me out of the chair. And I don't think my feet hit the ground until I was around the corner of their, of their home. And when I turned around, I was like, what is going on? And it was a police officer. And all of a sudden I looked around and there's police everywhere. And he was like, what are you doing here? And he just drills me with all these questions, like one after the other. What are you doing here? What's going on? Who are you? Where are you from? Where do you live? And so I'm trying to answer the questions and I'm just kind of like, what's going on here? And I said, I'm a pastor. And he's like, well, what are you doing over here if you're a pastor? I'm like, well, I'm visiting somebody connected to my church. And he was like, but what are you doing in this neighborhood? And I'm like, well, these people we're ministering to, you know, and he was like, well, this is a bad neighborhood. And usually I was like, well, 
that's why I'm here, you know, and, and uh, I'm trying to share the love of Christ with people. And, and so he's just giving me down the road and it's a Wednesday and I was already running behind that day. And I had, I told my wife I'd be home in time for supper mm-hmm. and I was running behind and cause we eat supper a little earlier. So we get to church Wednesday night and all that kind of thing. So I said, you know, I wanted to let my wife know uh, I was running, you know, what was going on. So she wouldn't be worried about me. But another officer comes and this officer is a little more cordial and he's a little kinder. And, and so I, he asked me some of the same questions. And, and I said, is it okay if I call my wife and let her know what's going on? Cause they told me I couldn't leave right then. Hmm. And so uh, the officer said, sure. Yeah, you call. So I get on the phone and well, that officer walks off to attend to something else. And the other officer comes back around. And so as soon as he gets and he sees me on my phone, he says, get off the phone, get off the phone. And, um, uh, I thought for sure that day I was going to be in handcuffs. And so <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm like, I'm sorry. The other guy told me that I could be on the phone. I'm telling my wife. And so that scared my wife because all she heard was, you know, I hung up and whatnot. Uh, anyway, long story short, the, at the, at the end, they let me go. And I said, can I go see the folks that I was, and he said, no, 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 you need to leave. And, and he said, don't ever come back in this neighborhood. You don't need to be in this neighborhood. And, and I said, I said, you know, if you'd let me do my job, maybe that your job wouldn't be as difficult. And uh, so anyway, I left before I stirred up too much. But I, the next day I went back because I cared about those folks. And so, you know, uh, there have been times where there was um, a family that their daughter, she had left and she was in the crack house and um, she was on a big high. And, and I said, well, I told the family, I said, well, let's go get her. Let's get her out of there. And they're like, no, pastor, they'll shoot you. If you go over there, they'll, they'll shoot you. And I was like, I don't care. Let's go get them. Oh, uh, we got to get her out of that situation. And so they wouldn't tell me where she was at first, but they finally did. And I went over there, knocked on the door, and, and uh, they wouldn't let me out. And I, and I you know, stayed there and harassed them. And they're like, we're going to call the police. I was like, call them. I'm not doing anything wrong. But uh, so that, you know, that kind of goes back to this whole idea of, you know, being on the fringe. And that's not something that's just new to me, that the previous pastor was kind of along those those lines as well. And that's just who we are as a church and as a people. And I think as Christians, like, like, look, there's there's some risk involved in doing what God's called us to do. And so uh, I didn't want to spend the night in jail. But at that particular time, I, you know, looking back, especially I can say I don't regret going to see folks who needed who needed Jesus. Hmm. And, uh, and then I became the coolest preacher ever because I was almost arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe those, some of those stories kind of illustrate where we're at. Yeah. Those are amazing. So when you say that Lafayette is on the front line, do you have outreach programs happening or what is it that you are doing that makes you on the front line? If that makes sense. Yeah. Good question. Um, we're uh, when I say so when I say we're on the front lines, what I mean is like we want to be out there where salvation is taking place. And so, yeah, we have programs. There's a lot of things that we could we I could you know, we could tell you about. We do outreach events from time to time in our in our neighborhood and in our community. Uh, we do, um, you know, around Christmas time, we do a, a pretty significant thing for like food baskets so so we do kind of like those social ministries outreach ministries you know the the hope people will get into our church we have church bands that we run that bring some some especially young people or just some uh, some adults who don't have transportation to church Mm. so we do some things like that but really when i say we're on the front lines of church we just as a church as a whole so it's not like a 
I, I hesitate to say it's a program because some of it is not even necessarily organized in in mechanical kind of ways. It's it's really organic. Hmm. So if if somebody comes to our church, for example, who is in need, uh, typically they will have some kind of connection with somebody else in our church. So hmm. like the the family that I told you about. So the father has become a Christian. He still has a lot of connections. His children, uh, other family, friends that he has, you know, for example, are all connections that he has. And now organically as a body, we come in. Well, what in what ways can we minister to the people that, you know? And so we have family, you know, people in our church. So we're on the front lines of saying, let's let's reach those people for Christ. Let's minister to them. Let's find where they're at and uh, let's deal with all of their life, baggage and all, let's walk with them through that. So it's hard sometimes, you know, we have issues sometimes because we, we have people who don't know how to act in church, for example, that are welcomed in our church. Sure. And uh, our, our folks are gracious. Uh, sometimes we have visitors or new people to our church who are from other churches. It's hard for them because they're like, wow, why is that? Why are people, this guy looks scary and he's in our church. And it's like, hey, he's part of our church. You know, we're loving on him. And, and we know that this is a good place where people can find Christ mm. and where, where people can become Christians and people can be discipled and learn what it means to live out a life and know the transforming power of God. So we believe uh, and if we didn't believe this, we wouldn't we wouldn't open and welcome anybody. But we believe God can change anybody. So we really believe in God's transformational uh, work because it's, it's reality in my life. It's the reality in, our, in the lives of all of our people. And so we if, we, if God can do it in me, he can do it in anybody. That's great. So was this culture of this kind of organic frontline work, was that already in place when you arrived at Lafayette? Or is that something that you've been a part of nurturing since you've been there? Yeah, I definitely want to nurture it. But I think that it's, it's kind of been in our DNA. Like we're really strong as well on giving to missions. So uh, foreign, you know, like when you say foreign missions or whatever, or overseas or, you know, things like that. So there's a big heart for that. So we have we raise our world evangelism fund uh, that goes to support missionaries and stuff like that. And we don't we don't have trouble raising that those, those funds. We raise that just from people saying this is this is how much we need to meet this goal. And we do it. So there's a heart for that. There's a very evangelistic. Uh, I will I will give some opportunity for people to respond in some way almost every Sunday, whether that be an altar time or whatever that might look like. Typically it is altar, you know, altar call, but whatever that may look like, because there's going to be people there who don't know Christ probably, or uh, sometimes the, the calls are more general as well. But um, yeah, so the, the previous pastor was a part of that too. And uh, like they, they've started a lot of churches. Uh, the Gethsemane church of the Nazarene was started from Lafayette Church. It's a predominantly African-American congregation. It's mm-hmm. in Lexington. Uh, there's uh, some other churches. Uh, Lafayette started Harrodsburg Church of the Nazarene. They started uh, some some other churches that are not Nazarene churches at this point that mm-hmm. were, have come from the life of Lafayette. And really what I want to do is try to get back to some of that. So we've we've begun, um, they, we host El Cabario, Iglesia de Nazareno, mm-hmm. and uh, with Pastor Agrippina, and uh, as the pastor down there and love working with her and we work well together. So they're, they're organized as an independent church, but they meet in our building and uh, we do a lot together. We do like vacation Bible school in the summer. So a children's ministry together, our churches come together. Uh, we re- recently uh, 
started uh, a LifeBridge International Church of the Nazarene, which is led by Kiza Mukundama. He, he was a refugee from uh, the Congo and is ministering uh, to other. There's a lot of African refugees in in Lexington, Kentucky. And so that's kind of the goal there. So we're supporting that. And, mm. and that makes for an interesting dynamic because there are also some some come to our our English service. So we have them sing and participate in the life of the church as well. And so it's just a lot of neat things. So some of that just in our DNA and it's just a matter of as a pastor continuing to nurture that, you know, and not working against it for sure, but just kind of nurturing that desire and uh, and working with folks who are sometimes are down and out people who just, well, I say, you know, we minister to people who most churches wouldn't put on their website. For example, they wouldn't put pictures of these kind of people on their website. Right. But these are the people that Christ loves and we love. If God values them then and, and we have the mind of Christ, then we ought to value them as well. That's awesome. So kind of tell me about your work there at Lafayette. What is a typical week like for you? What are you doing? Usually Mondays we have staff meetings. So I'll get with our staff we troubleshoot anything from Sunday. We we talk about what's going to happen that week. Uh, then we pray together. Uh, we usually have lunch together, and then we kind of that kind of kicks off our week. So good good strong start. I take off Tuesdays usually is my day off in the week, and then um, we have prayer meetings through the week as well. So there's different times. So Tuesdays, Fridays, Saturday, and then our staff prayer meeting is, is on Monday. So we wow. have. Uh, those are prayer meetings where lay people come to the Tuesday, Friday, and uh, Saturday prayer meetings and kind of head those up as well. Are those structured or is that just a group of people getting together to pray? How does that work? Yeah, they get together and pray. There is a little structure. There's usually uh, someone who kind of leads those. A different person leads each one of those. A lay person. Well, Kiza leads the Saturday one. Brother Kiza does. So uh, but you, the other two are lay led. And so they kind of give maybe some direction about we pray for revival, spiritual renewal, uh, salvation of some sp- specific people, things like that. Uh, if there are other pertinent prayer requests, you know, uh, they'll, they'll pray for those as well. And just kind of whatever's on the hearts of those that gather, you know, they, they pray. So there's a certain amount of structure, but it's not real structured. So it's kind of like old school Nazarenes where they would just kind of all pray at the same time sometimes. And then sometimes they'll hold hands in a circle and each one will pray around the way or something like that. But I I feel like that's been a really powerful influence in the life and the dynamic of of Lafayette Church of Nazarene. Mm, I I do a lot of visitation, so I'm not strong. uh, I'm not strong on my staff or especially myself of, you know, having a whole bunch of office hours sitting in the office. Mm. Uh, We're, we're on the ground. So I, I want, especially me to be freed up to be able to go. I'm in people's homes. I'm doing, I do a lot of visitation or at least what I feel like is a lot uh, in relation to most pastors that I talk to. Sure. I want to be in people's homes. And so if we have visitors, I, I usually will call them, make that kind of connection early in the week. And then usually by the second time they've come, I want to try to be in their home, you know, visit them at home, make that kind of connection there. So uh, so a little different, maybe an old fashioned thing, but I feel like it's been really positive and seen a lot of spiritual victories take place in people's homes. So mm. uh, if somebody's in a hospital, I'm making hospital visits, I'm visiting the sick, things like that as well. So really, a lot of my week is with those kind of things. And the time that I'm in the office, 
I'm either just kind of dealing with making sure everything's still running smoothly or preparing, studying, preparing for sermons. I, we, we have Sunday morning service and a Sunday night service, so I preach usually twice a week. Sometimes staff will cover one of the uh, Sunday night here and there. Do you enjoy preaching? Oh, absolutely. Tell me about your preaching style. Uh, my, I'm, I'm pretty straightforward. I'm pretty blunt, I guess, but I'm, I'm very optimistic. So, uh, you know, I, I, I really feel that it's important for us to tell all that there is in the Word. And so I don't shy away from passages that could be controversial or are just difficult, mm-hmm. and we wade through stuff. And I've just found that, like, especially people, like people who are, like, religious, and I put that in quotation marks, that are religious or have, you know, just kind of, uh, uh, just dead in their walk with the Lord and dried up or whatever that don't like to work through difficult issues. But people who aren't Christians or who are new Christians want to know what does God have to say about the things that I'm facing in life. And so, for example, I, I preached uh, um, when I first came to Lafayette, I preached a, a sermon series through the Sermon on the Mount. Well, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, boy, Jesus takes on a lot of different issues and he talks about everything from from hate to divorce, uh, to what it means to really have a blessed life, which is just really radically different than what a lot of people would say a blessed life is. Sure. And uh, and so we just went through all that. But I remember looking, you know, I went online and I was looking at what, you know, what are other preachers saying about some of these things? And I found like, like a lot of preachers who preach a sermon series through the Sermon on the Mount skipped over what Jesus said about divorce. Mm. And it was like, well, why, why did you skip over that, you know, or why did you skip over this? And yeah, it's hard to deal with. But if we're going to be the church and be faithful to this truth, then we've got to be faithful to all of it. So I'm, I'm uh, when it comes to my preaching, so I'm, I'm not afraid to just plow right into some things. I found like people who aren't Christians typically don't get really rarely. And are they offended by things that I say? Sometimes like churchy people can get offended by it because uh, I just throw it out there and I get to it. And I get kind of, I'm, I get pretty passionate when I preach. So some people say charismatic dynamic, you know, um, there's a lot of aid meaning. So there's that give and take and especially at Lafayette with, with people responding and stuff like that. So, um, fiery, maybe people would say, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, different characteristics, but uh, there's no place I won't go, I guess, in the preaching. Mm. If, if the word goes there, then we ought to be willing to go there. And so that's the way I do it. Typically, I will have a series that I go through. And uh, so some series, like I talked about the Sermon on the Mount. So I preached for probably six months or more uh, through the Sermon on the Mount. Wow. And so there would be an occasion in those six months or five months or however long it was where I wouldn't preach on it that Sunday, kind of like a, give them a break from the Sermon on the Mount and do something different or whatever. Uh, so I'll do that. I preached uh, through the Ten Commandments, so 10 weeks on the Ten Commandments. I did. Uh, I've gone through um, different books in the Bible. Right now I'm going through the—I'm doing a different series. I'm, not, I'm going through the Minor Prophets, so I'm doing a week in each of the Minor Prophets. I've preached through the book of Judges, which is you read the book of Judges, get to the end, it gets real hairy in there. But we went through all of that and uh, did that. I've preached through the book of Hebrews before. Uh, you know, so typically it's either preaching through a book or um, like the Minor Prophets, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount. There's there's kind of a I, I did the 
the churches in Revelation, you know, there's the beginning, the, the first few chapters of Revelation where he writes to the specific churches. I've done that series. So just things like that. And I, I typically will pray about, you know, how the Lord wants me to go and just have him provide uh, direction. About every other year, I spend about three days where I where I go. Um, I'll go out away from everything, usually set up a tent. I, I know some farmers, like in Greensburg, I might go down there and go out to a cow pasture, set up a tent, and just be alone away from technology for about three days. And wow. and I can get like a, so, some general idea about where the Lord wants me to go over the next few months. And then as, as those months transpire, they, they just kind of flesh all that out, what that looks like. Great. So the last question I ask everybody is, what inspires you to stay in the Church of the Nazarene? Yeah, I'm a part of the Church of the Nazarene uh, because of the message that we we have and that we hold to. I believe in our theology, uh, or so our articles of faith. I adhere to. I affirm those things. I believe in the way we operate. So our polity. Um, this is a little weird for a lot of people, but I, I, I appreciate our covenant of Christian conduct as well. So, you know, all those things, I think, are, are dynamics that play into to what the Church of the Nazarene is, both, mm. both theologically, practically, uh, uh, when it comes to polity, and all those things uh, are, are factors. You know, probably the polity is the least factor that keeps me. That, that's not really a, an issue that keeps me in the Church of the Nazarene, but what we believe what we stand for, uh, some of the statements that we have we have made, who we are as a people, and what we believe in. All those things are affirming, I affirm and uh, appreciate. And so, um, uh, and I believe that there's a future for the Church of the Nazarene. Um, God raised us up, I think, to be a holiness church. And I want to be a part of, of that movement, that holiness movement, of this message of holiness and entire sanctification. And uh, that that's a powerful message that people are hungry for. And, you know, as I preach that on a, on a regular basis about what God can do, even people who are not Christians, who are a part of our church, that resonates with people. That what it means to walk with Christ is not just to have your sins forgiven, but there is something deeper than that. It's not just about going to heaven one day. It's about the fact that you can walk with God. His spirit is with you and uh, wants to fill you and overflow you in your life. And that resonates with people who who are looking for something, you know, not not dead religion, uh, not a form of godliness, but a power, a real power to affect their life. And so that's that's why I'm a part of the Church of Nazarene. That's great. If someone had a question about Lafayette Church of the Nazarene or what you've been up to lately, where can they find you? How can they reach you? Uh, we we have a website, lafnaz.org, L-A-F-N-A-Z.org. And so that kind of gives some basic things about us, um, um, uh, service times and those kind of things. Uh, I think it's got a couple sermons on it. Uh, I'm not the most tech-savvy guy, but we've got some people who are trying to help me out with some of those kind of things in our church and <laughs> with our website. Uh, Pastor Bill uh, takes care of our website now, and so we're we're doing we're doing some of those kind of things. But so they can kind of hear if they want to hear some some sermons that I've preached. I think there's two or three, maybe four on there. I think we also have a Facebook page that kind of is more updated with pictures of events and pictures of things happening, and uh, maybe get a better picture of 
what some of the people of our church look like and stuff that's happening on a regular basis. My email is jksehenry at gmail.com. Henry, H-E-N-R-Y. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, and uh, I hope I hope that's a blessing to somebody. <laughs>